Good Sunday morning, Cincinnati, and welcome into another edition of the Bearcat Brunch, brought to you by Royal Links Golf Tours. Have you always wanted to play at St. Andrews? Have you ever enjoyed a perfect pint of Guinness in Ireland? Royal Links Golf Tours is a golf tour specialist, offering unforgettable golf experiences in Scotland, England, Ireland, and Wales. Their custom itineraries are more than golf trips. They are immersive cultural, and country experiences that will surprise and delight you both on and off the course. Royal Links Golf Tours is owned by former Bearcat quarterback Hayden Moore and his partner, UC alum Jeff Bartholomew. So if you'd like to play St. Andrews or famed Bally Bunyan or enjoy that perfect pint of Guinness, please visit their website at royallinksgolftours.com or call them directly at 770-331-1525. And with that, we are back for a off-week edition of the Bearcat Brunch. Uh, the Bearcats had a much-needed uh, week to rest up to get ready for a big two-game stretch. So welcome in, as always, my co-host Jeff. How are we doing this morning, Jeff? Oh, we're doing pretty good, uh, considering <laughs> it was a long day of uh, football yesterday starting with a lot of a lot of football to watch yesterday yeah start starting with a nine-year-old football in the morning all the way up to uh you know the the big showdowns across college football did the nine-year-olds get the dub they did they did so they they ended they ended their regular season four and four this year that's one more win than they had last year so that's progress progress next weekend progress But, uh, but yeah, so obviously we don't have a UC game to discuss, so we thought maybe we'd just kind of get into some some first-half superlatives and kind of look, uh, look to the second half of the season. <laughs> Colin, right out, the, right out the shoot. Are we uh, exclusively covering the Vols game? No, we are not. That is not uh, – that would not be fair – as much as I, you know, am in a very good mood, thanks to uh, the Volunteers' victory, we will obviously and definitely start with the Bearcats and give the Volunteers uh, their moment when we discuss all of college football, which there will be plenty to discuss because yesterday had a lot going on. Um, but no, this will not be a uh, volunteer brunch. <laughs> so we will start with... The Bearcats, and let's start with your offensive MVP through six six games of the season. This works out great too. The bye week, you know, we get it at the halfway point. So the it's, halfway, it yeah. uh, it worked out perfect to do something like this. Um, so for my uh, my first half offensive MVP, uh, I'm going to go ahead and give it to Ben Bryant. That's oh, who I, okay. that, that's who I have selected. Uh, yeah, he's done what has been needed. Obviously, like the the first game is what it is. Like we, you want to know about our thoughts on that specifically? Go back to the first episode. Um, but no, I think he's come in and done what the the Bearcats have needed coming off of you know Desmond Ritter leaving. You know there was a quarterback back and forth in the in the spring and then into the training camp in the fall here and then. Ben's shown up and taking care of business. So he's got uh he's 122 for 185, 
1,500 yards, 65% completion percentage. So I think he's doing uh, doing fairly well there. Yeah, I mean, he's, he's 32nd in passer rating nationally. Now, I don't know if there's a minimum pass attempts you have to throw, but it looks like everybody that's in that top group is uh, has thrown, you know, this is starters throwing throwing a bunch of passes. Uh, so you know, thirty second in that, he is fortieth in yards per attempt. Uh, let's see, he is. Where are we at here? I'm trying to look up. He is twenty second in touchdowns. He is now. This one might be a little. More skewed, looking at completion percentage. He is 41st in completion percentage. So, you know, well in the top half of, of quarterbacks around the country. So, uh, yeah, I mean, I think we've talked about some of the interceptions. A few of the sacks, you know, seem to just pop up here and there. But I think, you know, all in all, coming off of, especially after the first half, of the Arkansas game. I think he's, his play has been pretty steady, pretty good. Uh, I will give my first half MVP to Tyler Scott offensively, uh, you know, leads actually does not lead the team in receptions anymore. One reception behind Trey Tucker, 28 catches, 500 yards, six touchdowns, a long of 75, uh, an average yard per reception of 17.9. So he is the the big play guy. He is the field stretcher. And I think we saw uh, in the second half of the South Florida game that without him out there, things got a little more compressed, weren't able to maybe take those explosive shots that they had done the previous five games. And we'll see where he is health-wise next week, which was announced uh, late last night that it will be on ESPN at noon against SMU. So uh, make sure you're all ready for the big, the big boy channel, uh, ESPN. Hopefully SMU keeps that little pony locked up in. Some yeah. We don't need corral. any more uh, poop on the field. Yeah. Ridiculous. <laughs> but uh, so let's switch it over to defense. This one. I mean, you think it's pretty easy. You think this well, one's easy. You you can go ahead and give give. We'll let you go first. You give it, and then I'll come up with someone. Then we can say like uh, uh, why uh, that person also <laughs> could could be up for this award. I mean, we talk about him every single week, uh, glowingly. Uh, I mean, last week I guess it wasn't as through the roof, uh, but Ivan Pace. I mean, it speaks for itself. He's got. Uh, what, what's he up to now? 62 total tackles, 30 solo, uh, five sacks, a forced fumble, and a pass defense is what he's been credited with so far. And the the chaos that he creates on the field, um, I don't think there's anybody else on defense you can give that award to. Uh, I no, think you're it's... gonna. I think you're gonna try, and I commend you for that. Yeah, I mean, he's. I mean. You want to go by like Pro Football Focus? He's the best defender in the country. I don't know if that changed after not playing this week with their numbers and and things. I mean, he's got plus ninety scores in in run defense, and pass rush, and pass rush win rate. Like, 
mean, he's just been outstanding. Uh, <laughs> so it's 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 very hard to to come up with um, with someone else. But for the sake of this, I will I will go with Jawan Briggs. Uh, Twenty six total tackles, three sacks has been a big part of the run defense's success uh, through the first half of the season and has really done a good job moving into that spot, um, replacing the production of Curtis Brooks from last year and just kind of uh, spearheading and and leading the entire defensive line to what has been a a very, very strong first half of the year. That's fair. Fair. So uh, let's go. Let's do a special teams MVP. Um, I won his jersey in a giveaway this week. Oh, you did, uh, Mason Fletcher in the in the um, walk-ons thing. Yeah, me, Aaron, me too. Aaron won one as well. Nice. Yeah, that's a that's a awesome place down in Louisiana. By the way, like they they have a, good, a really good thing going on. What is it like a? It's a ball. It's like a sports. It, Sports, sports bar. Yeah. So I thought their thing was kind of cool that they were buying those and supporting all the the, the walk-ons through his uh, his jersey thing. So gave it a shot. Got one. I'll be rocking it whenever it comes in. Um, but yeah, I mean, he's... I don't, I don't know that there's like a, a whole lot of... I mean, he's had 28 punts this year. Um, I had it pulled up here a second ago. And now it's... I think I clicked out of it. Ah! Um... I mean, he's a weapon as a punter. I don't know that you'll find a punter that will hold on to the ball quite as long as he does. Like, it, it, I understand it's the the way of kind of the Aussie punt thing, but he sometimes I'm like, can we can we get it out a little quicker? He had the one that they ended up down at the one yard line. Yeah. That he, I was like, is that guy is he going to get that blocked? Like, like I wasn't sure if it was a fake that got like totally just like thrown off but he was just hanging out back there while you know nobody was coming after him and he's like all right i'll just chip this down there and uh we'll get it down inside he's uh i think he's averaging 44.1 in uh net so can't ask for a whole lot more out of your punter uh and and whenever he gets hit he is uh also also has a little bit of chippiness to him so yes yes i mean i we have it like Ryan Coe, I think, has been fairly solid. He's four for seven on field goals, which is not great. It's not terrible. He's made a 31 out of 31 extra points, and he's done a real, you know, pretty good job on kickoffs. We, har- we hardly ever get any kickoff returns against us. So I will go with, uh, but I will go with the Gunners on punt. Whoever is out there, I, you know, I will Drew go Donnelly. with them. Yep. Yeah, Drew Donnelly, Kyle Scott, Trey Tucker, whoever, you know, I think. Whoever whoever's out there, they all get an get an award because uh, we have done a nice job with punt coverage, downing several punts inside the 10, 15 yard line. Uh, you know, limiting returns. I don't really know if there's really been hardly any returns. So uh, I will I will give that to the Gunners for that. So move, moving on to let's do our breakout player called surprise breakout whatever uh for the first half of the year offensively so i i don't know necessarily that it's a a surprise but he has already matched his uh 
is production from last year, and it is your first half offensive MVP in Tyler Scott. Uh, he ended last year with 30 receptions and 520 yards, uh, and he is already there halfway through the season this year. Uh, That's good. So that that I think is good. Uh, he's a guy that obviously, like, if you are a fan, paying attention, like, he's a guy that was on kind of the radar of somebody that could put something like this together. Um, but you saw his importance when he was not in there after he got hurt. And I didn't give him the MVP. So he's my, uh, my breakout offensive guy. And I had a, I had a, like a one, one, a one B kind of situation going on, but I'll give it, give it to Tyler Scott. Makes sense. I mean, we expected big things from him, but you are replacing your, your main outside threat in Alec Pierce. You're you're sliding into a new role, new quarterback. So, you know, unfair to just assume that there would be this like seamless transition and, and there really has been, and maybe even above and beyond what we expected. So I can, I can definitely understand that. Uh, I will give my breakout player to Nick Mardner, uh, nine catches, 118 yards, three touchdowns uh, has kind of, you know, worked his way into a nice, a nice role, a nice, he's kind of, you know, scored touchdowns in multiple ways. I mean, he had a vertical shot against, Arkansas, and then you saw against South Florida where he kind of was able to use his size on a really nice throw from Ben because Ben put the needed uh, velocity behind it to get it in there and then let Mardner use his his body and his size to to kind of take in that, that ball. So I think, you know, depending on Trey's – or not Trey's, um, Tyler Scott's availability. Could be seeing more from him in the second half of the year. But, I mean, you just have Jaden Thompson's com- you know, coming on. You have four, like, pretty solid wide receivers. We'll see when Will Pauling returns. Um, you've got a, a good group, a lot of different guys uh, that offer different things. So it's nice in the passing game to have, have that ability. So uh, defensively, who is your breakout surprise uh, player through six games? Um, so I, I'm going to go with uh, Dante Corleone. There you go. Uh, that, was, that one was obvious. That, that one's that one's pretty obvious. Uh, but there's also you know, you've also got like Eric Phillips who came in kind of like hey, Malik goes down, Eric Phillips comes in. Uh, so he he could be kind of a one B, but Dante Corleone just his ability to cause chaos up the up the middle, and he's at he's at ten uh, ten solo tackles, twenty two credit with twenty two total, uh, two sacks, a forced fumble, um, and he can eat a whole lot of skyline. So yes, he can. Oh man, this one was tough for me. I had a couple different guys. Um, Oh man, I think I'm gonna go with Byron Threats. That was also on my list of, of possibilities. 28 total tackles. He is fifth on the team. He's got a sack and a half, a pass defense, an interception, and just felt like you know when he wasn't in for the end of the SMU game and then the first half of the South Florida game, we just felt that there was 
avoid on the back end. And he, he seems to be a, I mean, a playmaker, but also just like getting, helping get guys aligned in right positions and you know, super, still a very young guy. So a lot, lot to grow from still more, but like there were some, I think there was like a bunch of guys you could have picked like him. I was thinking about uh, Eric Phillips, like you mentioned, Justin Watley, you know, there's, there's several, you know, I wouldn't call him a breakout guy, but Javon Hicks has had a, had a nice yeah. first six games. We were wanting to see more from him. Wanting to see how Sammy Anderson. Yep, how he kind of took on a greater role, got you know, more more disruption back there, but but uh that was so but I think I would I would go with threats just because of he's been solid tackling, he's made you know, made plays, has what does he have? Not the not the team lead in I uh, really one pass defense, but uh does have the no, that's six. I'm reading. I'm all messed up this morning. But uh, <laughs> no, he. I, I like what he's done, and I felt like you could tell that there was that he was missed when he was out. You know that quote game over the over the two game stretch. So let's Ooh. see here. Let me get into real quick. Thank you everyone for joining. Good morning. Cryptkeeper, good morning, Jason. Good morning, Holly. Marcus asked a question as to you know, why haven't we seen more of Trey Tucker developing into a downfield threat? And I don't know. I mean, he, he was at times when I remember the Marshall game a couple years ago, he had some, some long plays and, and there have been a few this, this year, but it's not like they've used him in a strictly like, just go run fast by, by a guy similar to how they do with uh, Tyler Scott. And I think maybe part of that has to do with alignment, when you're in the slot, you know, there's there's just more traffic. The safety's closer. It's harder to – you have to do a better job or a more efficient job of scheming a way to get a guy from the slot out in the amount of space needed to go deep with, with uh, you know, less bodies out there. But, I mean, I'm all for it. I mean, he, he's very good at what he does, but, I mean, I think that's a way to maybe – use his speed to create lanes for the tight ends. I mean, you have him kind of va- go through a zone, vacate, <laughs> vacate an area and then have a tight end coming uh, behind that or under that is something that, that you could see uh, happen in the second half of the year. Uh, Alex asked, how am I feeling? I'm feeling great, Alex. Like, I had a, a lovely evening with, uh, Mrs. Bearcat Journal Twitter. Did I see got, you went to some seafood joint? We, well, we went to the new Jeff Ruby's downtown. They moved locations recently from uh, okay. from wherever they were to right off of Fountain Square. So they have a nice, nice bar area with a nice piano and a band, and and it was it was a, a much fun day. And oh, so here's here's one hilarious part about yesterday. So if you hear if you listen to the podcast, you know that I do not go to the road game watch parties at the Holy Grail because it is bad luck. I went to one several years ago when they lost at Temple when we were at Taft's Bruporium, and I have not been back since. Well, yesterday, we watched the entire Tennessee game at the Art House, and they won. So I don't know if it's a Tennessee thing, if I'm allowed to now go to watch parties for the Bearcats, if this, this streak is broken, 
Let's I don't know. Try to break that the next two weeks. Oh, I'm not going to risk it. Believe me, not going to risk it. I mean, it, it very well could just be an anomaly. So <laughs> there were a lot of Tennessee fans. I mean, some actual Tennessee fans, and then a lot of people cheering just to see Alabama lose. Then anti-Alabama uh, fans. And then I was. We were walking back to the hotel to get ready for dinner, and I'm blasting Rocky Top from my cell phone. Just walking with all these people down there because of blink, blink, and everyone's just like go balls, and it was uh, it was it was quite an evening. But, uh, but yeah, the, so the the streak might be broken, but we're not going to risk it, especially these these next two weeks. So, what are I guess what are you looking for? Let's say offensive. We'll start offensively, defensively. Just just like one or two little things that you want to see get better, improve on keys to success for the second half of the year that you, that, you know, now that we've had this break, we're five and one, have the off week going into SMU next Saturday. What are you wanting to see uh, starting offensively that, you know, kind of you think is going to put them in the best position to, to continue to win and, and hopefully make the AAC championship game. So, some of the guys that we didn't even we didn't even mention across uh, the little superlatives there uh, are the running back core. Uh, I know we had a core. I don't know what Kiner's status is. Um, hopefully he's he'll be back next week. Just um, want to see them continue to get the the running game going um, to lean on that and then open up some more of those those downfield shots. Uh, Obviously, those are, are the exciting plays. Um, need to really kind of, on defense, I think, look more towards containing these mobile quarterbacks. I don't know if there's, like, some scheming things they can do, some spies, whatever. Uh, obviously, like, we we had some difficulty with uh, with those throughout the... I think, I don't know if it was this show last week or if it was on PTP that I talked about it. Um Obviously, you know, these guys aren't KJ Jefferson, but it started there. And then the Kennesaw State quarterback, obviously it's just the, the parody and in, in, um, in talent. And then last week, like uh, last week, yeah. So we got to we gotta kind of lock in on that, I think, on defense. Uh, and we'll be, we'll be okay because we're going to come up against, you know, we got who John Rice, John Reese, Rice, Plumley, however you say his name there. Um, because UCF could put up some points and and hold on to the ball for a little bit, so we need to uh, we need. That's my thought process defensively is to lock in on those edge runs, keep the keep everything contained in the backfield. I think that would uh, that will lead us to the AAC championship there, and then on offense, continue to uh, use the run game to open up the deep shots. I agree with you on the run game. It's been uh, a positive development the last two weeks. I think that needs to continue. Um, I I want to see better production on first down. I think that's kind of where why we're having issues in the um, in the third down, which obviously we want to improve on third down. But I think let's be better on first down, and then I'd like to just see a little bit better. A little bit better protection. I know it works hand-in-hand hand with Ben and the way that the plays are called and plays develop. Um, but I think we're just taking a too many too many sacks. I mean, we're six games in, and he's been sacked 14 times. To me, that's that's too many um, 
for this type of an offense with with running backs and receivers that we have and just clean up the interceptions a little bit. It seems like he just gets one one a game. That, um, I mean, he's only he has six through six games, so I mean one a game, but that's too like that's I feel like that's too many, and some of them have just been you know bad bad throws, bad play design, bad. What, you know, whatever that can that can get cleaned up. There, these aren't a bunch of interceptions where he's throwing good balls and DBs are making like great, great plays. plays. I mean, you have the Arkansas interception, you have the uh, Tulsa interception, you've got the two deflection interceptions against Miami, and then um, South. Several, I was gonna say he's had several to, deflection ones. Lenny, that I think that was that was South Florida. Was that Indiana? Indiana, I think. Um, went went through. Yeah. So just kind of cleaning up those things defensively third down. I mean, I don't, you can't continue to be this bad on third down and, and get away with it. Um, and then, you know, I'm not going to panic yet because it was one game. They had not had an issue. I mean, KJ Jefferson did some, some good things, but I would say Gary Bohannon was even more effective running the ball than KJ Jefferson was. Yeah. So, how do we attack the running quarterback? Tanner, weirdly enough, like Tanner Mordecai for SMU is not a runner, but he's got some wheels. Like he had a 70 yard touchdown run uh, the other night against Navy. Like he's not going to run in the sense of a KJ Jefferson, Gary Bohannon, John Rice Plumley. But if they send a bunch of guys out into a pattern and you're in man and you turn your back, He's gonna he's gonna go and he can run, so you know how do we how do we limit control stop whatever term you want to use the quarterback run game um, that's gonna be the key in these next two two weeks and just getting off the field you know SMU plays the breakneck pace very similar to Indiana so you know if you can get them off the field if you can get them into third like third downs like they're then you can can control the game because they're they want to go so fast and then if they're off the field then you have a lot more control over what's going on um but we'll obviously get into that then much more this week um so i think i don't know i think that about do you have anything let's see here holly oh actually right there holly just brought it up uh I, that, that's a that's another Yes, Another getting, getting that... the tight ends more involved in the passing game, no, no doubt about it. Um, would love to see it. I think part of it just becomes a matter of the targets. Like if we're going to run, if, if you want to run the ball, and the way that Chuck and Corey can run the ball, um, you know, you've got a hundred and just over a hundred and twenty something carries between the two of them. Ben's thrown 185 attempts. So, like, you are a little bit more pass than run, but it's just tough. Like, we want we want the ball to go to all these guys, and it's just it's hard to, you know, say, okay, like, yes, Tyler Scott, we're going to take targets away from you. Or Chuck and Corey, like, we're going to throw the ball even more, even, you know. It's it's a tough dynamic. I mean, it's a good problem to have. I think there are ways that they could integrate them a little bit better, a little bit more effectively. 
Uh, but it is a, it is tough when you have two solid running backs. You have four receivers that can can all make plays and two NFL and tight two, ends. Two tight ends, like someone's <laughs> just like you're not getting the ball to somebody. There's so. only so many possessions in a game, and I I do like that they uh, that they bring Wiley in and like a like a, a fullback kind of scenario um, to try to get him more involved that way. I know it's just blocking, but he does it well. Uh, I, I would like to see that. And I seemingly forgot them um, much like seems the, the team has uh, thus far this season. And I don't mean it like in a negative way that they forgot them. Just mean like they haven't been utilized as much as possible. And I think you hit the nail on the head and you have that many weapons at some point, somebody's going to get left out, um, and, and I'm certain that between now and the end of the season, there there will come a game or two uh, where it will come down to some plays that that Lenny and Josh make uh, to secure the victory. For sure, for sure. I mean, they're they're very good uh, security blankets to have. I think we just need to to use them, uh, find ways to use them. Maybe initially, maybe right out the gate. I know. Josh had what could have been a really long game that I mean he'll he he'd admit it, it was just a flat drop uh against South Florida on kind of a quick quick seam throw that that was there. So maybe it's a it's a matter of getting them uh more involved early, which then can maybe suck the defense up a little bit, you know. Yeah. And then you can try that stuff over the top. Uh, we seem to do it the reverse. We take those shots, big shots early trying to loosen them up that way, which makes sense. I mean, if you hit a couple early ones over their, over their head, they're now yep. on their heels, they're worried, and that's when you should be able to run the ball more effectively. Yep. So I think that's kind of where we sit going forward. We'll obviously have our usual uh, previews and, and everything this week leading up to the SMU game. But uh, let's go ahead and shift things to what was a, I mean, I guess it was a wild day of college football. I kind of feel like, even as a Tennessee fan, I kind of feel bad for TCU fans. Like, <laughs> they they won a big game, came back, we're down 17-0. Yeah. Came back, uh, have now beaten like three or four ranked teams in a row. And like no one's talking about it. Like, and there's there's they're still good, undefeated. Yeah, good good luck finding anybody talking about the TCU game yesterday. Well, that's because there was another game yesterday that I think well, so yeah, if you looked at it yesterday, you had like the way the day started, you had Michigan Penn State, which you thought could be like a good game, which a good it one, which it turned into Michi- a Michigan route i think they had like 400 and some odd yards of rushing like like 418 yards rushing i think some old school big 10 like run it down your throat and Mm -hmm. try and stop us kind of thing um that one then you had obviously uh alabama tennessee and then later on a game that i did not uh stay up for was uh utah usc I did see the. I saw the end of that one when we got back to the hotel, and it was. I was wanting uh, Kyle Whittingham to go for two, and he did, and they and they got it, and they won. So I was say I watched the highlights of it this morning, and that's one of those situations. You know, like everybody talks about it, and it like it extends to all levels of football. It's like 
these analytics, and I said on PTP on, on Tuesday, like, I think analytics are, I hate them just because, like, go with your gut. Like, do what, go with your gut. That's what I like. Um, well, I think they so. can, they can help, uh, help re reinforce your gut feeling. That That's true. But, like, then I, I think. Like, the, I, was, I was wanting, when Tennessee scored, I forget which touchdown it was. I was wanting, with like three minutes to go or something, four minutes to go. I was wanting them to go for two there. When they when they were tying it up. Yeah, like I wanted to go for the win there because I was like, okay, then you know, then you know, like exactly what you have to do. Because even if you don't one get way, it, one way and or they the other, score way get, a touchdown, yeah. then you know we got to score a touchdown and and get two or we can if they don't score then it's like okay we still only just need a field goal we're only down one um, yeah I, I just, not like... like i just like being super aggressive and maybe maybe to a fault i don't know uh, i mean it, it's okay too like where should we where should we start should we start in in knoxville um i think that would be appropriate uh, okay so i mean i still i still don't believe it i mean they had lost 15 in a row. They had never beaten Saban. The most points they had ever they had scored in this series against Nick Saban was 24 last year. Well, they scored the most points on Alabama since that Alabama was given up since yeah 1907 against Sewanee State or something. Sewanee College, yeah, it's in okay. Georgia. Does it still exist? Is it no. still a college? Uh, maybe yeah, it might be. It might still have it. College of the South might be called now or something. Uh, yeah, so, okay. but yes, at 1907, most points Alabama has given up uh, was yesterday. But, I mean, everything, like, Bryce Young's availability, obviously, he played phenomenally. Like, he made some throws that I was just like, you've got to be kidding me. Like, right? <laughs> it's just some, just some plays where he's running around and he stops on the dime and just throws a pinpoint accurate pass. Or I know he had one to a tight end on the sideline where I was like, how do you, like, you couldn't have thrown it any better. Well, like, that one, he had a touchdown pass where he was rolling to his left and threw like this. It was like a the Patrick Mahomes sidearm, yeah. like, or if you want to go back even farther, like a Brett Favre sidearm, like, bullet. Um, but yeah, then you look at it, there's like, there's over a thousand yards of offense in this game. It was, it was, it was a fun one to watch. I mean, Jameer Gibbs. I know Bryce Young is a, is awesome, and he's going to be a high, high first-round draft pick. I think Jameer Gibbs is the best football player on their team. Like, the what he can do, his running ability, the way he – his vision, the way he kind of goes from, like, fourth gear, throttles it down, and then, like, his burp – like, he is unbelievable as a pass catcher for a running back. And then – but, like, I, I can't believe I'm going to say this, but, like, I, I – Josh Heifel, like, I don't know what you're doing. I would never would have seen this coming. I crapped all over you when you were the coach at UCF. Like, things progressively got worse for them, and somehow things are progressively getting better. Like, his offense is very basic, but it's also hard to defend. And you would think, like, I think the conception was, or the, the, the train of thought in the SEC was, well, just give these teams, like, a full year – a full you know year and a half to kind of understand what that offense is, and they'll be able to like slow it down. And they're not. I mean, maybe Hendon Hooker is just that good, and he should be in. He's a lot of fun. He should to watch. be the he should be the front runner for the Heisman. 
He is a lot of fun to watch. He's thrown multiple touchdowns in 18 straight games. They didn't even have their best receiver. Like, uh, I won't even. You could have fooled me. Yeah, Cedric Tillman's better than Jalen Hyatt, <laughs> who had six catches and five touchdowns. At 207. I mean, that, that that's what a Tennessee record for touchdowns in a game. Like, yeah, I mean, Cedric Tillman is a is a better receiver than you know coming into the year and through the beginning of the year uh, is than Jalen Hyatt. So, I mean, if you can't like if. They still got to play Georgia at Georgia, so we know that's not going to be easy. But, like, I mean, they're scoring 50 points a game. It's it's hard to – yes, the defense isn't great. The DBs don't tackle well. They're not great in zone coverage. Like, there were a lot of plays yesterday that you're just like, what is going on? But they scored 52 against Bama. Like, it's, it's going to be hard yeah. to just – think that all of a sudden some team's going to hold them to like 27. Did I read it correctly that like Alabama, because like I'm, I didn't really look up a whole lot of stuff, but like they were, they were only giving up like 12 points or something like that a game Alabama was or something I mean, not, I, I mean, probably. it wasn't, it wasn't something. anywhere up around obviously giving up 52 points. 52. Uh, yeah, I mean, they, they gave up 19, like they won't. They gave up zero in week one, 19 against Texas, seven against Louisiana Monroe, three against Vanderbilt, and then they started playing some real teams. They gave up 26 to Arkansas and 20 to Texas A&M. Yeah, so probably pretty – probably came out to about 12. I was probably – that's probably a correct stat that I looked at. But, um, yeah, I mean, outside of Georgia, Tennessee has Kentucky, Vandy, Missouri, and South Carolina. In the SEC, like so, not. Um, Natalie Natalie, Natalie has, poses a good question. How did they does. get so good so quickly? So the offense that you that they run is very exciting to play in, and it's very easy to learn and execute well. And fast. So the way that they align the receivers, you know, same thing we saw at UCF, like literally almost out of bounds. And it's just very hard to defend because you're defending so much space with very few people. And they've got a good offensive line. They've got a decent enough running game. And he's basically taking the UCF offense with SEC players. And you can get good fast. And like I said, the defense still has the ways to go. But like you don't need a you don't need a Georgia level defense when you're throwing up fifty you, points a game. When you're scoring fifty points a game. Um they had so they had last count, they had ten five stars and thirty-five four stars visiting for the game last night. Um uh, I would say that from from what I and I know I sent you a text about it last night. I, I said like that stadium, the atmosphere there is unbelievable. I'm, even on TV, I'm not. I'm. You can call me biased. You can call me whatever you want. Like when when Tennessee is going, it's the it's top of the line. Like I mean, and like for you, you're you're down at the yard house. I, I assume they probably didn't have the. No, I didn't the, hear anything. So you couldn't hear anything. No, I, it's, I, I was sitting in my house. Like I looked at my wife a couple times, and I'm like. This is crazy. 
like just listen to this place oh and yeah. obviously it's an sec game and it's like whatever but it, it looked incredible my my sister-in-law is a, a tennessee grad um so i was hearing it in text messages from there too like i got i think i got every version of rocky top uh that's on youtube has been sent to my phone in the last like 12 hours uh so tennessee fans they know how to do it yeah i have me one Hats of my off. one of my buddies that i met in school so we he grew up in nashville so he's been a ut fan i don't know how many games he went to before we went to tennessee but i mean we got there he's a year younger than me so i got there in 2000 he got there in 2001 he's had season tickets forever and he texts our like group chat and he's like this is the craziest game i've ever been to they and broke the decibel record and we've, been to some, that. we've been to some crazy games in that stadium and like it's wild they they tore the obviously tore the goalpost down marched they those, took it to the river threw bapti- it in the river baptized it in the river took it down the the we call it the strip cumberland avenue like kind of where all the bars and restaurants are on campus walked it down walked it down there i saw a picture now i don't know if this is real or not but the tradition is that whoever wins the game they smoke cigars it's been going on forever tennessee and alabama so there's a picture of like from outside the stadium where there's like a cloud of smoke like coming out that's a lot of cigars to be my buddies were smoking them inside the stadium it it was uh it was I would wild. have to assume maybe that's the smoke from like some fireworks, and then <laughs> they and then just made into. But it, very it's believable. Well it's believable well from like the amount of people that were that are in that stadium. And then I think every picture I saw, everybody had a cell phone in one hand recording and a cigar in the yeah, other yeah. hand. So like, I mean, it was it was cool to watch, uh, especially as like somebody that's like not like in the you know I'm not like a Tennessee fan like whatever like crazy person um i love to see alabama lose uh when nick saban went uh, haywire oh, on the, su- on the <laughs> sideline after fumbled, the when they when that guy dove on that punt for like, no reason yeah he oh, like that was it, great he essentially dove on it and then hiked it uh backwards in back for anybody to grab um and then saban went went ballistic and so i immediately made it into a gift because it is an awesome gift to have um so you had that like things seemed like they were going Tennessee's way early and often, and then then, then, I, uh, then I almost put the kibosh on them. Then Dave almost put the, the I, you know, like I said, I, I said was... like this is no lie. <laughs> I sent that text to my group chat. I said this is usually the part where we shit down our leg. One play before they fumbled. And that and, was like that was like, such a like I could not have like I could not have done that any worse at that moment that like I sent that and literally 15 seconds later they mess up the the mesh on the on the on the option play and just drops and Alabama runs it right in for a touchdown. I was like, you've got to be kidding me. And that at that point, I, it was a bit like, uh oh. <laughs> oh, it was it was very much like this is what Tennessee does. Like they play a, a, a game unexpectedly great. And then when it gets crunch time, they do something dumb and Alabama wins and, you know, we all move on and it's 16 in a row and Tennessee can't get over the hump and all, and all that stuff. But yeah. And then they, you know? then they come down and they, they stop Alabama and then Riker shoves it right. 
and you're like, okay, there's 15 seconds left. Like this is going to this is going to be going to, to overtime. Uh, yeah, I'm not sure what Bama was doing on defense. Like, and then they let they had two timeouts. So why are you giving up the middle of the field on these long passes? Yeah, they just let Hennon Hooker do whatever he wanted, uh, throw in those passes and they call in timeouts. And then the the final catch, well, I mean, that was a great catch. Goes oh, up, gets McCoy, it, come, yeah. comes down, and, and the announcers are all like pointing out the fact, like, hey, it's a first down. He's down. Yeah, there's the, three seconds. The clock stops. Yeah. So like they, they have time to call in the bars, yeah, Everyone in the bars yelling, call timeout. And I'm like, it's a first down. They don't have to call timeout like right away. Yeah. They're going to put time back on the clock. He didn't try and be a hero and land and like fight out of anything. He just went right down to his back, saved whatever time was uh, was left. It was like two, three seconds or whatever. And then the ugliest field goal I have ever seen that I'm sure to Tennessee fans is probably the most beautiful field goal they've ever seen. Yeah, um, I mean, hey, but it was. A, no, I don't know no if somebody got a. I don't know if somebody got a finger on it or what, but it looked like it was spinning sideways. Well, I, I don't know. I mean, he might have false started one like it looked like he kind of like went up on his toes and then and then they snapped it like so i don't know if that like kind of threw off his timing a little bit but it didn't it seemed like he was moving a little bit before before you know the ball was down or whatever however the timing works on the field goals but i mean they were playing dixieland which most of our most people listening to this don't won't know this right so dixieland delight was written you know, about Tennessee, like driving through Tennessee, but Alabama plays it during every game. It's like their song. And when the game was over and everybody's out on the field, they're blasting, they're blasting Dixieland delight in the stadium. Yeah. I, I heard that. And I didn't like, it's not song also by Alabama. Yes, but it's, they're from Tennessee. I, I, I know, but I, but, but it's by the band Alabama yeah. as well. So it's, it's like a multi-layered troll job. Well, oh, yeah. It was awesome. Uh, like, I, I heard it, and then I saw, like, the tweets and stuff going up about it. And obviously, there were all kinds of, like, records and things. That, like, they said they, they broke the 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 Neyland Stadium uh, decibel record, which was, like, 118, and now it's 124, yeah. uh, which is uh, very loud. Um, and it's, like I said, that, that was something that was, like, literally conveyed through the TV like the speaker, it was just—it was a fun game to watch. It, all that kind of stuff is, uh, is really cool. It's good for college football, and uh, I've seen numerous people say, you know, college football is better when Tennessee's good. So, well, now you, now, now the point you've unleashed, you've unleashed like however many years of pent up frustration. Our fans are pretty annoying to begin with. Now it's just <laughs> going to be insufferable, well, like. You asked, everybody asked for it. You wanted them to take down Bama. Well, now you got it because you got a bunch of Tennessee Hillbillies and Rednecks that are going to just be saying all sorts of ridiculous things. So there's like a comedian that has been doing these, like, uh, like how mascots were picked, like kind of like a roundtable joke thing. And I think he's actually a Tennessee fan. Um, I'll, I'll tweet it out later what his name It's Joshua something or another, but he... He's like, it's like, the guy's like, hey, look, we're going to, we got this football team. Like, any, do we have anybody that uh, wants to, like, throw out some stuff? And the, guy, the guy's like, uh, I'll volunteer. He's like, okay, <laughs> thanks for volunteering. He's like, no, that's it. We're going to go with the volunteers. He's like, hey, we man, had the we Tennessee do... volunteers. He's like, could we be the Warriors? He's like, no. War of, hey, War of 1812, we saved Texas. So, 
He's like, what, what, what's the mascot going to be? And he's like, oh, I got a blue tick coon hound down at the... Uh, the hound and the da- Daniel Boone looking guy. Yeah. So, <laughs> but, uh, it, was, it was exciting. It was fun. Here, here's the question. So I don't think it's going to happen. I think Georgia, Ohio State won too. But looking at who Tennessee's played and who they've beaten. So they have a road win at ranked pit at the time. Road win against Florida, road win at ranked LSU, and now win against number three, Bama. Nobody has played nearly the schedule and and won the games that they've played so far. I do not think they will be number one today, but I do think if the CFP committee had a poll coming out today, they would be number one. I would agree with that. I mean, you Georgia. So if you're gonna, because Georgia's probably still gonna be up there as they they thumped Vanderbilt fifty five to nothing, right? Uh, but they've only played Oregon in the first week at home, and and true enough, they or yeah, and Oregon's really good. I mean, we, that they, was much more of a Georgia thing than an Oregon thing. Yeah, but then they struggled with Kent State and at Missouri. It's like, I, I think that if. I don't think there would be anybody angry if the poll came out today with Tennessee at the top. I don't think so either. I mean, I'm sure Ohio State fans would be angry. Okay, but who but have they played? Exactly. And I know that's kind of a silly, like, back and forth, like, oh, who's this team play? Because, like, that's what everybody always goes to. But legitimately, who's Ohio State played? But that's, how else do you, like, me- measure teams up against one another if they haven't agree. played? If they haven't played each other, you look at, okay, yeah, this team's won a bunch of games, but, like, the teams they they beat aren't good and this team's won a bunch of games and we think that the teams that they beat are pretty good so you know we'll just be interesting from that standpoint i i think they'll be third um i would have ohio state one georgia two tennessee three um probably mich clemson or michigan four five alabama five or six something in that in that realm I think Kirk um, Herbstreet. Kirk Herbstreet did have uh, Ohio State one and Tennessee, Tennessee two. two. Tennessee yeah. two, yeah. And then he, so he went Ohio State, Tennessee, Georgia, Michigan, and then Clemson, Alabama. Yeah, I mean, you know, um, <clears throat> Alabama very easily could have lost to Texas A and M. So you know, Clemson's been been pretty good. So. But there's still, you know, half a season left, and all those teams are going to play other big games. So a lot to shake out from that. Um, I mean, Alabama also could have lost to Texas, like early. Yes, absolutely. Yeah, and that was, was with, it, that was with Bryce Young and without Quinn Ewers. Quinn Ewers. So I, I'm not saying that Alabama's not a good team because I think they are. Just saying, I th- oh, they're, they're a really not. good team. Anytime you have Bryce Young and Jameer Gibbs, like <laughs> you're going to be yeah. t- you're going to be tough to beat. Um, Absolutely, but let's see. You have anything, talked... anything else you want to say about your beloved volunteers? No, I mean it's just like it's it's fun to have two teams that like actually try to win games. Because for a while I had one, and it wasn't the one with the SEC budget and the you know CBS TV deal. It was like an unmitigated disaster for a long time with children like in positions of power and allowing boosters to decide who was going to be hired as a coach. And, you know, we can make fun of UCF all we want as, as Bearcat fans, but like 
they hired Danny White as the AD from UCF, and he hired Josh Heupel, which definitely was not his first choice, but it's so far it's worked out exceedingly well. And they just have adults now, like people that know what they're doing are making decisions and running and and running an athletic department and running a football team. And then you can see what can happen when you do that because the fans have are dying. Like I can't imagine like if they called people today, like, Hey, will you donate to this fund or what? Like, I mean, how much money could you possibly make right now? If, if you're Tennessee, like apparently did you, Danny white tweeted out today, that, like a, a donate link through Ticketmaster to like, I probably to pay the the fine for coming onto the field. And, yeah, the the twenty five thousand dollar SEC fine for rushing the field, <laughs> and to replace and to replace the uh, the goalposts. Goal and yeah. um, apparently, it broke the Ticketmaster website. So, <laughs> like at least the donate link. Uh, well, they better that get just some goes new go- to your point. They better get some new goalposts quick because they got a home game Saturday. <laughs> it won't take a bit. Well, you, if you remember, it, this is like oh, a throwback UC thing in two thousand six. When UC played Rutgers, the day before the game, with that was Rutgers was undefeated. For those yeah. of you that uh, weren't fans then or didn't know, but Rutgers was like number seventh in the country. The day before that, UC installed collapsible goalposts yeah. that they could like take down. And so, like towards the end of the game, they were out there with these. They were trying to bring the goalposts down, and they didn't get them like folded down in time because then we all rushed the field and. Yeah. But yeah, so maybe they just need to go ahead and invest in some uh, collapsible goalposts. Yeah, I think yesterday, yesterday the get-in price ended up being like five hundred to six hundred dollars, just to get in the building, like sit at the very top. My buddy sold his Akron tickets earlier this year for three fifty a piece. So there are people like dying to see the balls, right? Literally dying to see the balls right now. That's incredible. But uh, let's let's move it on to uh, the other, I guess, big game that I saw none of because I was watching the Tennessee game is the Oklahoma State TCU, TCU. game, which ended 43-40 in overtime. TCU coming back from a 17-0 uh, hole to start the game. And the Big 12, man, it is every week. Yeah. TCU has gone... Oklahoma at Kansas, Oklahoma State, three weeks in a row, all wins. Now this week they get another ranked Kansas State at home. Um, the Big 12 is just, it's a lot of fun. It's a lot of, right now, it's a lot of parity, even with Texas and Oklahoma. Like Oklahoma's not great. I think Texas is is pretty good. But it is it is a fun conference to watch. Um, you get a little bit of everything with the conference. I mean, you get a Oklahoma State TCU game that's 43-40, but then you have Kansas State, Baylor that are, you know, they're going to play some some D. Um, it's just a, a really fun conference. And I think, hmm. you know, we talked, there was some stuff that came out this week about the schedule for next year. It's supposed to be released in November, right? Like they normally do <laughs> yeah, in November? Yeah, Sounds like sometime in November um, made it sound like Texas and Oklahoma are going to be in for the, the, I still will believe it when I see it, but in for, for the, the next... remainder of their contract, which would be 23 and 24. Yeah, it's, 
So it looks like if they come to Nippert, that's got to be a nip at night, right? Well, one of them's one of them will for sure. We'll see. You know, we'll see how it goes because they said that the goal or the plan is to have every team play each other at least once. So you might get Oklahoma here and then not play them in 24, Texas, vice versa. But the goal is to have everybody play everybody at least once over these next two seasons. But it's just a fun conference, man. There's a lot of good football. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, Oklahoma. I was riding Kansas yesterday, and Oklahoma just comes out, and it's just like, where has this been? Like, right, you guys and decides to play football? You couldn't score against Texas, and now you had five, like almost 500 yards of offense in the first half against Kansas. I still almost got the backdoor. Right. Almost got the backdoor cover. They only lost by ten. Think, and Kansas has been really good this year. Backup is... quarterback. I mean, they're they're often Lance Leipold can draw up some offense, man. Like there's a whoever gets him if they can keep him if they can and he goes to. Wisconsin or Nebraska, like he can drop some offense. If you're doing that stuff at Kansas, cleaning up the mess that Les Miles left you, like, well, he, let's be honest, Kansas has been a mess for a long time, right? But I mean, Les left him a super big mess, and it's taken him two years to to clean it up and get get actually good and competitive. Then... But um, Michigan, Michigan, Penn State, I was surprised at that one. I thought Penn State defensively would would do better than allowing 400 and something yards of 418 yards of rushing. They had, uh, let's see, Donovan Edwards had 16 carries for 173 yards and Blake Corum had 28 carries for 166 yards. So, and then they had their quarterback had like 57 yards and then, uh, CJ Stokes had 22 yards. Yeah. It's, uh, they didn't throw, uh, Michigan obviously didn't throw the ball much. He was 17 for 24 for 145 yards. Didn't have to. Yeah. He had no I mean, Michigan. Passing, no Michigan's going to walk. I mean, maybe Illinois, but like they're going to cakewalk to undefeated going into Ohio State. I mean, they're, they, they're off this next week. Then they're Michigan State, Rutgers, Nebraska. Yeah. Th- then Illinois at home, which Illinois is a good story and playing good football, but like they're doing what Michigan does with like lesser players. Like they want to play the running game defense game. That's not going to work against a team like Michigan. They're like, okay, yeah, let's do that game. Yeah. And then obviously Ohio State on the 26th, November 26th. So like they're sitting pretty <laughs> over the next, you know, five weeks before the Ohio State game. Which will obviously be another fun game to watch, hopefully, uh, yeah. with, with the, uh, the Michigan defense and the Ohio State offense and see how it goes. So what else do we have? Oh, Clemson, Clemson, Florida State. I didn't see a ton of that when I was <clears> – that's when we were kind of out. Um, I saw some of the first half, then Clemson blew it open, and then Florida State made it close at the end. Yeah, came back and scored two, 14 points in the fourth quarter and lost by six. So, So – I mean, they're Taylor's. they're doing their Clemson thing again. Um, Syracuse. Can we talk about the the other another orange? The, the orange. I mean, they yeah. they were they were greatly uh, helped out by Devin Leary being out for the season for NC State. Their back and quarterback situation is not good. But I mean, Syracuse six and zero, and 
it all ends next week. I mean, or in yes, next week they play Clemson. Oh, you never Clemson. know, though. Oh, yes, I do. You don't know. <laughs> you don't know. They have it a tough. Be... They have a tough slate. Okay, so they go. They got off to a six and start by beating Louisville, UConn, Purdue, Virginia, Wagner, and now NC State. And this is the rest of their schedule: at Clemson, Notre Dame, at Pitt, Florida State, at Wake Forest. Like they could easily lose all five of those games and <laughs> be six and five. That's fair, but most importantly, they ran right out to bowl eligibility. That's right. Hey, that's what you do, man. Hey, when you haven't been good, who who cares how you get it done? Speaking of Notre Dame, they lost to Stanford yesterday. What the hell is? I mean, you realize Notre Dame's two losses are to Stanford and Missouri or in Marshall, who yeah. have not beaten any other FBS teams. They're zero and seven outside of their wins against Notre Dame. I don't know what to say. Like I, I, I flipped the game on, um, after uh, Alabama and Tennessee, and it was just like I was like, "What is going on?" Like they just couldn't do anything right. They weren't moving the ball. It was just that I turned it off before they, they, I guess, kind of made it close. So. I think we do need to touch a little bit on some uh, some non uh, A automatic qual whatever autonomous five as there were two big upsets in the Sun Belt last night. Georgia Southern over James Madison. Georgia Southern over James Madison and ODU taking down everyone's darling Coastal Carolina. So oh, that's why that that's why Coastal's been like all over the place on on Twitter. People like ah well they're done. I did not. I didn't see it yesterday. Yeah. So, so that let's see. Let me look at um, let me look at standings of the sun. <clears throat> real quick. Uh, so the one division of the I don't know how they split this up. Yeah. Split it up. Um, whether they call it east, west, north, south, but um, Old Dominion. Is two and zero in conference. Coastal Carolina's three and one. James Madison's three and one. Georgia State's one and one. Georgia Southern is one and yeah, two. Yeah, like outside all the, way down, all the way down to Marshall, who's zero and two in the Sun Belt, but has a win over Notre Dame. Over Notre Dame. But yeah, most of the good, like most of the good teams, are all in that East Division. So, like Coastal and James Madison still have to play each other, I think, or maybe did they already? I don't even know. Uh, I know they still have to play. Yeah, that's the uh, final, yeah, coastal, final, coastal final game of the season. Yeah, so they still have to play App State and James Madison. James Madison, I think, already played App State. Didn't, wasn't that the game they lost? I don't uh, know. I'm going to pretend to be a, a, a fun belt expert, but there's uh, James a lot Madison of. Madison beat App State, yes. Okay. So there's a lot of. I mean, ODU's in first place in the East. And they're three and three overall, and they still have to play James Madison and App State, Georgia Southern, Georgia. Like Georgia State is a pretty good team for being two and four. So, um, there's a lot still to happen in that conference. But if you if you're like a you know a UC you're a Bearcat fan you're you're watching the AAC stuff, there is you know only. 
the three teams, Tulane, UC, and UCF, that have no losses. And SMU and Houston are the only teams that have one loss. Everybody else has at least two. So, like, they're – this is really already – we're not even to midway point of October, and this is really, like, a five-team race for two spots at the most. I mean, that's assuming Houston and SMU basically win out and and keep only that one loss. So, you're um, – yeah, UC still has to play – SMU, obviously, UCF and Tulane at the end of the year. So yeah. we'll, we'll see how it goes. But, you know, there's Ken, only... Kenny asked a good question over here. Do you think UCF will be ranked after that blowout win? I No. We're, we're, getting, we're getting to the point where, like, teams with multiple losses are still going to be ranked because they're, you know, whatever. Like, LSU has, like, two losses, but they won, you know, they're losses to Tennessee and Florida State in week one and beat beat Florida last night. So, like, I think you're going to get to the point where there's still <clears throat> power conference teams with multiple losses that are going to be in the back half of the top 25. Now, it might help them because, like, who – They weren't even getting votes last week. Yeah. It's, uh, they did. They did. I take that back. They did get votes in the coaches' poll, but not in the AP. They, did, they were not listed as having any – uh, votes there so it could be kind of difficult for them to jump up that far at least in the yeah, AP. i mean and they're way down in it too like yeah they had 10 votes in the in like the illinois is going to be like if you're just points. looking at the coaches poll like illinois is going to be ranked florida might be ranked tulane might be ranked and then ucf is somewhere in there um but like north carolina won texas won baylor didn't play kentucky won like there's nowhere for them to if Kansas jumps out, if Utah jumps out and teams move up a little bit, that might create a couple spots. But I think there's teams like Illinois, Florida, Tulane that, are, that have a better case for jumping in there than them. The Citronauts. Yeah. I mean, they put it on, I mean, they put, they put it on Old Temple, man. Holy cow. Uh, I don't care who you play. You score 70. You got it working that day. Yeah. And you know what? I think they should. I, I think the Citronada is a better mascot for them than than the knight. Than the knight, <laughs> a, a little alien orange. Yes. Uh, what else? We Ole Miss beat Auburn. Kentucky pull one out. I was, I was surprised State. by that. I thought Mississippi State would would fare better. Um, I did not see a ton of that game. I didn't either. The only thing I saw was there was a clip of. Uh, a Mississippi State player, like kind of like tapping a, a Kentucky line oh, on just, the face mask. Like, oh, he, that was that was good. I he didn't went see flat, that. knocked out on the ground, like ran over by a semi truck. Apparently, <laughs> so, I saw some tweet. It was like Kentucky deserves to win this game just from that acting. Well, no, what, it was Iowa, Iowa State, Iowa State, Texas. Yeah, oh, Iowa yeah. State's not good, and somehow they were they were right they were in winning it. that game till the the bitter end. And nothing really stands out from that game. I mean, Quinn Ewers had 172 yards passing, 17 to 26. Uh, I guess the Iowa State uh, quarterback did throw for 330 yards. Was there uh, anything? I don't want to steal any of uh, 
don't want to steal any of Aaron's thunder. Oh, like, did did anything of consequence happen? Well, there were only two games yesterday. East Carolina, man, Memphis. I'm telling you. Yeah. That's yeah. two weeks in a row that they have blown big leads against Houston and, and ECU. Not not looking good there. But uh, Tulane Tulane handled South Florida forty five thirty one. I was close for a minute, and then Tulane scored. South Florida fumbled on like their first play, and then Tulane scored again. They were they were right in it for for a while in the second half, and then that happened. But you want to uh, let's go ahead and move to the Bearcats in the NFL. I think it was a, a big a fairly big week last last week for for UC guys in the league. What what did uh, what caught your attention with those guys? Uh, was it Sauce's first pick? Sauce's first pick got a, and got a took safety. Teddy and he took Teddy Bridgewater out of the game with a uh, that this the I don't know strip sack safety whatever and it, I guess it wasn't a strip because he called it was going forward or whatever but In, intentional grounding yeah. is that what they ended up giving him yes yeah on that yeah whatever yeah uh, but that's just I mean that's that's the sauce we we all know and love and he's he's starting to get um, quite a bit of. Of love around uh, around the league. Oh yeah, um, I saw that he was the Pepsi offensive defensive rookie defensive of the rookie week. Of the week. Uh, so he was awarded a uh, the belt. Oh, Pepsi Pepsi sends out like a championship belt uh, to those those folks uh, every week. And the DBs coach for the Jets, who I, I don't know who it is, but he uh, he said that he can now go by sauce in the NFL. <laughs> so there's that. Who else we got? Um, let's see. Well, uh, yeah, Travis Kelsey. Four, yes, the, the, the seven, seven catches, four touchdowns. Seven catches, 25 yards, four touchdowns. His brother told him he was selfish. He was selfish. Yes, he was <laughs> on, ho- he's on, hogging all the touchdowns on their uh, other podcasts. He's like, "You went out there and had everybody else do all the work, and then you get four touchdowns." But uh, I think is I think Brian Cooks out with a concussion. Uh, let's see. okay in single uh, in single coverage. Sauce is allowing a 17.8 passer rating. So there's that. That's good. That's pretty good. That's good. Um, I don't know if there was, I don't know how Derek Forrest did this week. Really? Um, so what is, um, sorry, we should be better. Yeah, we, sh- we should have been a little bit more prepared on the, uh, <laughs> I got, I got the NFL, home, but home late. Uh... Last night was a very morning. Was a very long day for had me. To, so. Had to drive around some. Oh, here we go. So, Mike Boone, three catches, forty-seven yards receiving in their Thursday night game against uh, the Colts. <clears throat> Kobe Bryant, two tackles, one forced fumble. He's making play, you know plays yeah. week, week in and week out. That's his second one, isn't it? Alec Pierce, eight catches for 81 yards. I think I've seen Aaron's done, you know, if you're not following Aaron, 
Gotta be following Aaron. He is the king of the hashtag, hashtag. Bearcats in the NFL tweets. There's some good numbers on Alec Pierce. Yeah, I think we I think about, Alec Pierce got targets the, and Alec Pierce got the two for last week because the week before he had four catches for eighty yards and then he had eight catches for eighty one yards. So he got he got the two for recognition last week because they played on Thursday. Oh, that's true. He probably probably did. We've talked yep. about him twice. <laughs> that's okay. He deserves it. He does. Then he then he was at at the at the UC game after that. At the homecoming game, right? Yeah. It was like him, Ryan Royer, uh, Basevich, and Basevich. him, and they like they they said like what they were all doing, and Ryan Royer was like, uh, like thanks for not like pointing me out as the engineer because now people might think I'm a, a Harvard med student. <laughs> anybody, anybody else uh, pop I mean, off? I, I think obviously Travis Kelsey is the big one, and the at least offensively, and then you've got. Uh, because we we talked about Alec Pierce the in his other one already, and then then uh, it was nice to see Sauce get get that first pick and and come in on that blitz, which I love I love the the Sauce Gardner blitz because at least in college when he did it, it was I mean like he was shot out of a cannon, and because no one was ever looking to that side of the field, he was always able to the the one against Houston uh, at the end of the year last year was. It's probably one of my favorite Bearcat memories. So oh, yeah. I like I like the 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 sauce blitz. For sure, for sure. So I guess we'll close it out talking about the pitiful Bengals offensive attack last week in Baltimore. Uh, I did uh. just see a video where Joe Burrow arrived to the stadium wearing Jamar Chase's national championship jersey from twenty twenty. Which I think is is a pretty cool thing to wear to the sta- wear to the stadium and, and playing in New Orleans, playing in Jamar's hometown, give, you know, paying tribute to him. So, uh, but yeah, the offense sucked last week, especially the very strange yeah. sequence of play calls down uh, on first and goal from the two. Yeah, uh- I am. Obviously, everybody's going to scream about the play calls themselves. My bigger concern is that we are five games into a season where the offense, whether it's the play calling, whether it's the coaching scheming, whether it's the players executing, does not know how to beat a cover two, which is not a new defense. It is a exotic thing. And it's a defense that, they expected to see based on what they did to teams last year. So the fact that you are unable to move the ball with any semblance of success, any semblance of consistency. I mean, Joe Burrow threw for almost a thousand yards last year in two games against the Ravens and averaged four yards per drop back last week. I don't have any words. The defense is continuing to keep them in games. Uh, if you score a touchdown down there, like I don't have a problem going for it on fourth down. Just I mean, like, what are you running a shovel? Like you're, you're gotta have it play. It's Can't a shovel that. pass to your fifth wide receiver who really only plays special teams. I mean, it was almost like they were like, they'll never see this coming. But even if they, even if you say like, well, you, you don't run the ball down there because it's all clogged up. Well, you just ran a shovel pass right into the middle of all the people. 
So you basically did the same thing as if you just handed it to uh to a, to an to an actual running back. Yes. Instead of instead of whatever that was, and clearly it looked like the line was like a little bit confused on where their blocking assignments were on that play. Um, yeah, like I mean, Zach Collins went, was like Zach went after Z- Collins quickly when he got back to the sideline, like he didn't do something correctly. But Volson, I think, totally whiffed on his block on his assignment on that play as well. Like it was just it was very weird, and it all came after the uh, the Philly special. I mean, got blown up. What are you like, doing? Just, I mean, the first down play, I'm fine with. Like, Hayden Hurst, whatever. Yeah. Oh, yeah. But, like, you follow that up with a Philly special. Which, like, why? Just give hand the ball off to Joe Mixon or run the... They were averaging 6.6 yards a carry. Yeah. I mean, I get it. Like, you're... we They've been terrible at goal-to-go situations, and they haven't been able to run the ball. So, like, I get it if you're like, we don't want to run the ball here because... Because... You know, we haven't been good at it. And the, the one rushing touchdown we have is because, like, they pushed – all the linemen pushed Mixon into the end zone. But then – so then you're running a play where you take the ball out of Burrow's hands with a, with the Philly special play. And then right. and then on the fourth down play, you take – you essentially take it out of his hands again. So, like, if you don't want to run the ball, okay, then how about we just line up and throw it like a, like a normal-ass pass play? Yeah. You, you've got, and I get it, like, with, like, no T. Higgins, like, that obviously, like, showed up quite a bit. Um, but but still, you've got you got Jamar Chase that you can throw the ball to. You've got Hayden Hurst, who's been making crazy plays. You, you have options that don't include these, like, carnival ride plays that you try to throw together and be something you're not. It felt like they're just trying to be... Somewhat like the smartest person in the room and somewhat like tendency breakers, but to the extreme. Like sometimes it's okay to just yeah. just run the ball or it's just okay to line up in a normal formation and say like we got a good quarterback and we got some good receivers and we'll beat, we'll find the mismatch and we'll beat you that way. Like you don't run those plays with Joe Burrow and Jamar Chase and Joe Mixon. You run those plays with injuries or in games that don't matter or, you know, with backups yeah. in, like where you where you need to do something like that, like it just made no sense. Um, they're still not dead by any sense of no. the imagination. Like, I mean, you go to New Orleans today and win, and you're three and three, and you have a much more home games coming up than road games against some some shaky teams. And the Saints are decimated with injuries. You've got the Saint. We we went over this last week. You got the Saints, Falcons. Uh, so you're you're at the Saints. The Falcons come here. We're at the Browns. Uh, then the Carolina Panthers. Panthers, and then the bye week. Yeah. So hopefully, you know, th- this pans out. You're six and three going into the bye week, and, and I think that that is doable. Yeah. I mean, the, Sa- the Saints are like they have no receivers. Well, they've got Andy Dalton. But they do. He's two and, and he's zero against 2-0 the Bengals with two different teams. But they have Michael Thomas is out. Jarvis Landry's out. Uh, Chris Olave, I think, is he practiced Friday, but I don't expect him to play. They've signed like multiple guys off their practice squad. I think Marshawn Lattimore, their best corner, is out. Like, if the offense can't get going today, and you can't go down there and get a win, then then it's it's five alarm fire time. Like you're you're two and four. 
you can you can't afford. I mean, you just can't afford to lose any more games. At least like, not. I, at least going into the that into gives the bye you week. eight and eight and three the rest of the year to get to ten and seven, and then have a have a realistic shot at a, a playoff spot. Yeah, I mean, they like you said, they they should, in theory, from what we're looking at, be six and three going into the bye. With what, they haven't been, they left? haven't been consistent at all to to for me to say that. I mean, yes, they should, and they have the ability to be. That's the frustrating part. Is like, you know, they have the ability to be, but I mean, they've lost by three points, three points, and two points. Like, yeah. the defense has not given up more than twenty points in regulation yet, and you've lost three of those games. It's that's it just doesn't make sense, and the offense has been. Abysmal, non, non-innovative. Um, the execution's been bad. I think the play calling's been bad. The like how you're trying to attack defenses. Um, yeah, I, I don't know. But today is kind of a make-or-break game, given what the Saints are dealing with. Given that there's going to be a ton of Bengals fans there, so this is not going to be like a big home field advantage for the Saints. Uh, you have to come out with this win. And I'm not going to say, like, if they don't win, the season's over. But, like, it just said, you got to go 8-3 and three the rest of the way to get to 10-7. and seven. That's that's a hard ask when you still have to play the Ravens again, the Bills, the Chiefs. Like, you still have the, the Bucks. Um, you still have some hard games left on the schedule. So, yeah. Marshawn Lattimore is out for today. Yeah. Uh, Jameis Winston is going to dress, but he is only there as an emergency quarterback uh, in the event that's needed. Chris Olave is unlikely to play, but he's still questionable. He had a concussion. Uh, Paulson Adebo is, requ- is questionable. He's a cornerback. Uh, Marcus May, the safety, is also questionable. So, Man, They don't have enough guys to... To field a team without these questionable guys dressing. Jarvis so. <laughs> Landry and Michael Thomas, yep, are both out. Uh, God, their list they have an, of they have another receiver is out too that I don't even I don't even know who he is, but he's one of their like game day active receivers every week. Deontay Hardy, yeah, yep, he went on the injury reserve. Yeah, uh, so first foot, so they they are uh, in shambles as far as that goes, and the Bengals. I think T Higgins is still listed as uh, as questionable. But he was. There's some video of him on the practice field uh, when they weren't in the bubble. Uh, he looked like he was running pretty well. Um, I'm sure he'll give it a go, but it yeah. depends on. on how it feels I think they'll the, be they'll be much more like um, his his pregame warm up. Well, they're not gonna have it happen again next, like last week where he plays one series and then is out. Like they need to. Have somebody else. They need to have somebody else up. If he only thinks he can do that again, then I don't know if he'll play. Jonah Williams is questionable, but he Dude, did come uh, back into the game after dislocating. Yeah, his best, best game of the year with a dislocated kneecap. Yeah, uh, Hayden like, Hurst also has a groin injury, but this is this is like what when you just think about like NFL players and football players in general. Like, if you or I did something that dislocated our knee, no thanks. We'd be like, yeah, I'm out. Like, I'm not doing anything for. I'd have like, like a full air cast on my leg, and and, you know, and these guys are like, yep, just uh, wrap it up, trainer, and I'm going yeah. back in. 
Give and me, give me gonna, another brace. Then I'm going to play six days, you know, six days later. Like, it's unbelievable what these guys do. I mean, great. They get paid a lot and they know what, what it is going into it. But, like, they <laughs> just laugh but at some of this stuff. To be able to be able to perform at that level, I mean, like you said, he had his best game. Yeah, like Eddie's, you know, down down half a leg. So, oh, but mm. yep, we'll be. Uh, I'm sure we'll all be watching. Um, you know, maybe I get hours from get now, a, yeah. Maybe I can get a nap in during the four o'clock game. Although it's Chiefs Bills, so that'll be you know a fun mm. one to watch. But I'm just glad I don't have to wait until Sunday night football. That was awful. I hate but that. That's what the commercial is. You've waited all day for Sunday night. Okay. Well, you know what? <laughs> Play all the games at one o'clock or four o'clock. Like, I don't want to wait until nighttime to watch. At least the Bengals. Just keep the Bengals in the one o'clock slot. <laughs> that's right. Like, uh, all right. Well, I think that wraps up another Bearcat brunch. Thanks everybody again for jumping on and watching live and interacting. We appreciate it. Um, we will be back next Sunday to hopefully recap a win from Dallas against SMU. But uh, between now and then, please make sure you tune in to the BBP, the PT. We got a lot of acronyms. The BBP, yeah. the PTP, the BCJ. Bearcat, the BCJ, the Rock of Truth. The, I'm sure I'm forgetting something. Uh, the Nightcaps. Got basketball is in uh, full swing now as we head towards the season, and then uh, six more regular season games, and then hopefully another another home conference championship. Absolutely. But uh, with that, thank you, and uh, everybody have an enjoyable Sunday, and go Bearcats!